Hello, welcome to Vaguely Music. I am Kelsey Jacobson. And I'm Ryan Strumpfler. And with us today is the magnificent Brian Cass. Hello. <laughs> Um, if you are tuning in for the first time, uh, Vaguely Music is essentially a podcast that developed out of our late night conversations that took place at our music shop in the uh, Bristol County area of Massachusetts. And uh, we realized that there was a lot of topics that people were interested in hearing about and that kind of were never really discussed. So we're taking this opportunity to do that. Um, and we're really happy to have you yeah. with us, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so Brian has been in music forever, and he was in a band with me, and we have a gig coming up in May. Yeah, we were in a band, and we have a gig coming up. Yeah, you like that? It's like past, future. <laughs> I'm like Doctor Who, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But the new one that's coming out, because she's a woman. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's another podcast. I think. <laughs> we'll talk about that after. Um, um, so, yeah, The Moldy Suitcases yes. um, is a band that you've been performing with for a while. Right. I think I might have been at the first practice. Yes, you might be right. I think that's true. I, that's when I met you, and I think it's when I met Tom. Probably. Was that that might have been pre suitcases? So I and I can't remember if we've actually discussed this on these episodes, but the moldy suitcases is like a like a jug band style kind of uh, 1920s New Orleansy uh, oddball band that uh, is very very jazzy bluesy. And so very I'm, loose I'm in visually I'm visually gesturing in agreement, yeah. which is, doesn't translate very well on the microphones, I'm sure. Uh, so yes, and uh, Brian uh, plays many instruments, but you were rocking the mandolin and and the melodica. Were you playing? The yeah, and, until until my melodicas broke down. I prefer the older, like the '60s melodicas that have the buttons that you play kind of like a saxophone in front of you. Again, I'm doing a visual aid. I'm holding my hands in front of me. Um, <laughs> A lot of melodicas these days, when you buy them, it looks like a keyboard, and, yeah. and you uh, can either hook a tube up to it. Uh, it's similar to our harmonica, melodica harmonica, but um, but yeah, those old ones, I just think there's something special about them, but they tend to break down, and yeah. so I've had to retire several now, Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, they're fun to play. Yes. It's got kind of an accordion sound, uh, kind of a harmonica sound, but and yeah, and the mandolin is a lot of fun to play. Um, and you play as well. I play mostly. I play guitar. Although um, when I'm asked what my first instrument was, I I can proudly say the computer. I definitely started with the Commodore 64 <laughs> in the early 80s, <laughs> and I had a program that I'd load on the little floppy disk, and it had um, it was basically a synthesizer. But the Commodore 64 has a now famous sound chip called the SID chip, the sound interface device. It's a very specific sound from the Commodore 64, just like the Atari has a specific sound, the Game Boy has a specific, you know, the original Nintendo, they all have like their own sound chips that make them unique. And the Commodore 64 had one that was um, unique to itself. And this program had synthesizer kind of functions. It had oscillators and filters, cutoff frequency, LFOs, envelopes. I was a little kid, I didn't know what any of those things meant, but I messed around with it and I heard the sounds coming back and I so, kind of started to make like 
connections between things. Um, and then later on, I played guitar. And then it circled around so, again because yeah, that's I, got, your... I got into electronic music pretty heavily later on. Well, and I feel like that's just the um, sort of like the ear training um, music is not always literally what you what you think it is. Like, here's my here's my tangible instrument, yeah, right? It's it's right. more mm-hmm. sound production, right? Mm-hmm. Sound creating, sound combinations, mm-hmm. and it's kind of irrelevant where the sounds come from. And having loved Star Wars quite a bit as a young child, I was always into making weird sounds. So the fact that I was able to interface with the computer and get it to do things and control those sounds and change them, and not at first, but eventually kind of be able to predict how to get other sounds was really meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad did play guitar when I was younger. I mean, he still does. Um, But like my dad was a surf rocker back in the 60s, so there were always guitars around and, and he was always playing and stuff, so... Um, guitar was not foreign to me by any means, but you know, like uh, my fingers hurt, like all the the kid stuff that yeah, happens when yeah, you try yeah, to yeah. play yeah. guitar when you're little. Um, so I eventually came around and, and took it more seriously when I was maybe 12 or so. But uh, for several years before that, I was just a computer nerd making sounds. So that lines up though, because if you think about like the thought process of a child, mm-hmm. and you think about when you were describing them, just like making sounds and then using process of elimination to be able to recreate these things. It makes sense because when you get older, you're much more interested in putting something tangible, a label to a sound. Like, And then as you go on in music, you're like, okay, that's a minor third, that's a major chord, that's anything you can start to... But when you're a kid, it's not uncommon to just create because like, your sense of like what the world is is pretty drastically different. Yeah. And as you get older, you, have, like, you experience more, and so you start to be able to want to put labels to be able to categorize all the information you've taken in. So it it totally makes sense when you talk about like that idea of like well I was just kind of messing around and then through process of elimination I tried to mm-hmm. recreate. Were you into any of that old '80s uh, video game music? Oh sure, because I I'm also playing the video games at that time. Right. So you know I had it like an Atari, an early Atari that would you know we just hooked it up to the TV kind of thing with the you know the single button joystick, um, and I was super into that. And the Commodore sixty four. You know, like I was saying about the, the sound chip, and it had a very unique sound. So as I started playing with the synthesizer interface for it, I'm hearing these sounds like from some of the games, like, oh, there's that mouthy kind of thing from the wrestling game. Oh, there's that like explosion from the monster game. And, and I can kind of like um, start to control it and, and do things with it, you know? Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and of course, yeah, as a kid, I have, I'm working with a, a huge stockpile of wonderment. Yep. <laughs> you know, so everything's amazing. Well, and also yeah. anything's fair game. There's no like, yeah. oh, I should do this. Oh, right. I should yeah, do yeah. this. So, yeah, yeah. so that's when you can yeah. come up with some real yeah. gold. At that point, yeah. <laughs> I'm not thinking about like, what would Wendy Carlos do with these tools? I, you know, I'm just like, cool, a sound. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting too because a lot of those old um, 80s video games and early 90s for the Game Boy could only use like three or four tracks. Yeah. And so what they were able to accomplish, mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to it, like – what they would do is they'd, you know, sometimes they would have like one rhythmic track just covering everything. Mm-hmm. And then like you have this bass, you know, doing all these incredible leaps and you wouldn't have so mm-hmm. much like chords like we think about for right. modern video game music or, or you know, TV or, or movies. You would just have like three sounds and you'd be like, yep, we're using a lot of like, yeah. I found that the study I, stuff I studied at college for CounterPoint was basically how they made those 80s video games. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all single voices, like you're saying. So if you want chords, you either have to um, do like voice leading or uh, lots of arpeggios. 
there's always arpeggios in the, that old game music, you know, because you can't have a, a, a one instrument that right. plays three notes at once. So you mm-hmm. have to do loo, do loo, do loo. And there was really no dynamics to it either. There's right. very yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Le, very little like tonal or volume. There's like what you'd call velocity in like modern MIDI and stuff. There's not no dynamic to it. So as the game gets more intense, it just has to get more dense and faster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. your pulse goes from eighth notes to 16th to like 16th frivolous, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And they well, have, I, I also yeah. want to clarify for people listening. You teach up at Berkeley, mm-hmm. correct? And you teach? Electronic production and design. Yes. Okay. So. Which is the computer nerd. So <laughs> yes. 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 And, and so when you're hearing, you're talking about all this, all this information, like I'm sure this is. Yeah. This is what Everybody I, who comes up and, and comes to you is just like, oh God, I love this so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm teaching now is, is sound design with synthesizers and samplers and um in some classes it's it's like basically like making beats but it's like you know it's making beats on like a a a berkeley level like a collegiate kind of music school level it's not just like um you know put your kick drums here and you know it's um, yeah like they they arrive knowing what they're doing already yep and it's really getting them to get the nuance to like to like a really professional level uh which is great it's fun i love it and and that's what i did for college i went I, i was in the same major I went to Berkeley, um, but it was at the time called Music Synthesis. And at that time, it was very different. At that time, that major was kind of the laughing stock of the school. Like Music Synthesis. Wow. I'm making quote marks with my fingers right now. <laughs> so, and what year was this? I was there from 95 to 99. Okay. But, but it, so the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of lines up, though, because. It's taken a while for, and it's still not there, but it's taken a while for electronic music of any kind to like gain respect in like, right. especially. No, yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I feel like I even still, <clears throat> you have the, the hangers on of like, oh, the only good music is the whatever happened sure. 50 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel like that's still climbing that uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when that major started, I, I don't know the years, but it was long before I was there, maybe early 70s. Um, you know, music synthesis as a major was a room full of synthesizers. Yeah. And that, that was a thing at the time. It made sense. Somebody had to study it. Somebody had to figure it out. It was a, it was a whole um, branch of, of the school. And then by the time I was there, it had shifted quite a bit. We still had synthesizers, but... It was mostly a room full of nerds with computers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, like a lot of the things that we were doing. Part A and Part B. Well, it, the two it, counterparts now. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like the early days of being able to sit down and like get the computer itself to actually generate the sound. Yes. You know, yes. instead of just having like a MIDI score on the computer and have the MIDI go out to keyboards and have them make sound, the computer is actually generating the sound. Yeah. But to do that. In 1995, you're typing up a bunch of code. That's, I'm sorry if that's loud in your mic. Well, no, that's good. Now they have the typing experience. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right? they, couldn't, they couldn't see <laughs> all the stuff you were doing yeah, before. Yeah. So, so you type up a bunch of code, and then you compile it. You go get a coffee, and you come back 10 minutes later, and you listen to how it sounded. And then you make adjustments to your code. And then you go get another coffee, <laughs> and you, you know, and, highly and, caffeinated. And but now, I mean, it's so much different than that. Now everything happens in real time, you yeah. know. But, but at that point, like we didn't have like soft synths and stuff. But but we were also just starting to get into like the Pro Tools world, and that's the thing that really set people off because all of a sudden 
um, a mediocre singer could go into a studio and do 50 takes. Yeah. And you can go through and you could easily splice, chop splice, up yeah. the best part of each take and make one good take out of it. Do it, I mean, I've edited on tape before and you, that's not as easy. Yeah. That's a whole different art form. It can be done, but like you have to be very careful. You can't like, it's just not the same thing. Doing it with Pro Tools or any kind of digital also, software, you, it's so much easier. Back in the time, like when people were editing tape, analog style right it's yeah. that's it also gets expensive too oh sure because you're i mean yeah. you have at the time you had to have a budget because that mm-hmm. was the priciest way to record that mm-hmm. was the only way and and then it was just like mm-hmm. you had to have a never-ending budget or and you, you couldn't do the kind of flexible things we can do now where like at that point like you you can scrub the tape and kind of find the right spot and cut it and then find another spot and um what I mean by scrub the tape is you have to like physically move the tape back and forth across the playhead to hear where, where Cause, you're at. Because the thing that a lot of people don't realize, like everyone's used to editing audio, you can see waveforms on the screen. Yeah. Right. But when you're editing tape, there's no visual. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's just there's this big piece of brown tape and it all looks the same. And you have to use your ears and you have to slowly go through and find all the spots to, to chop. And it's... It, it's Painful. not. Yeah, and Painful. it's so easy. It's so easy to cut out like uh, um, just a the a couple oh, I a cut couple off the end of that phrase. Yeah. Oh no. A couple of milliseconds, and now the groove is just destroyed. Now you know. Yeah. Um, but with with Pro Tools, all of a sudden we could we could do a lot of other things, and that's why a lot of like very purist musicians were like, oh well, that's fake music. Yeah. This department, music synthesis, is where you go if you're not good enough at your instrument. Oh. This is where you go to make fake. There's a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, but we persevered, and and <laughs> um, and now it's like a really, it's an amazing department. Uh, now it's like, you know, when you look at the pie chart, I don't know the actual numbers, so um, you know, don't don't take me to. <laughs> I'm gonna submit them <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right after but, we're done here. But if you look at the pie chart, our department, um, our graduates get jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of different departments at that school. And um, I'm not saying that going and getting a, a degree in jazz arranging doesn't get you a job. But going through our department, like, the entire game industry is, and, and a lot of people in Hollywood are, are people that are coming from our department because they're learning, like, a, a technical skill. Yeah. Absolutely. And that makes sense because if you think about, and we talked about this before, but content itself has drastically changed in in 2019. It's like it used to be that like all the television you consumed was from television and from cable. Mm -hmm. And the movies you watched were Mm -hmm. mostly from like some sort of you saw them in a theater or you heard about it. And if you had some independent film, now the game has changed. Because anybody can, there are so many independent gaming like studios. There's so many independent shows. There's so many independent films. Like content has drastically changed, mm-hmm. and so because of that, the demand for people who know what they're doing at a high level has changed as well. Mm-hmm. Because like it used to be, you had this huge trickle down effect. You had no, and then no, and then no, and then. But now it's like, yeah, if you can, I mean, if you know your stuff, you can find a gaming studio to couple up with. Mm-hmm. But there's, but that also that leads me to this. So you've been working with electronic music for like almost 40 years now in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the change of like when you were at Berkeley to, to now in working with software? Because I'm sure 20 years of like exponential technological growth has like, especially if you're teaching, you've got to be able to keep up with everything that's new. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. 
I was just gonna say, do you ever get burnt out from keeping up with what's new, or do you find that invigorating? Oh, uh, a little both. Okay. A little from Cal- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Calumny. So, um, I mean. I keep talking about Pro Tools just because at the time in the 90s, that was like the big switch that flipped. Yeah. Where not just like people creating music at home, but like major studios switched from having reel-to-reel tape machines to having a computer. And it changed a lot of things immediately. Um, But now, 20 years later, Pro Tools, which is one particular piece of software... um, that for the past 20 years has been the most standard way for like a large recording studio to, you know, re- record and edit and mix. Yeah, it's been Windows pretty much. Yeah, but these <laughs> days it's, it's, it's starting to fall from grace in that like what you're describing in the, the sort of independent uh, world of a lot of these, these companies, um, there's a lot of things like, like Reaper, and, um, which is another piece of software. Um, Very affordable. Yeah, and 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 I guess the thing about Reaper is it's very customizable. So when you're like just some person that's basically working on their own remotely, either in their apartment or their home studio, making sounds for some game developer like in a different time zone, yeah, it doesn't matter so much that you're using the same piece of software. It matters that you can get your job done efficiently and quickly. And Reaper is very customizable. You can make all these macros and batch processors and stuff. It also, I mean. It, it's pretty low impact on the computer. Like I feel yes. like some of those software yes. systems yeah. are very yeah. draining on a yeah. on a computer, and that one functions very well. Sure, because it's it's made for doing like little. Um, I'm you know I'm doing so it's many vis- me scissors so right now. I, I talk yeah. with my hands a lot. <laughs> I never it's realized good how for a podcast. It's I, good for I never realized how much I talk with my hands. <laughs> um, uh, with the thing with Pro Tools and some of the other DAWs that have been around for a while is they're very stable. They're very good for when you need to record 32 microphones simultaneously for six hours straight. Right. That's a certain... That's um, an edge now. Yeah, that's, that's a certain demand that, that is not as necessary as it used to be because it's, it's less likely that you'll have 32 um, competent musicians... That aren't going to make a mistake in the course of six hours. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. so it's more likely that you're going to do like like two minutes at a time with a few mics, you know. Um, but um, to go back to to what you were asking, or I guess what you you guys were both asking, um, it's it's it, it's crazy because one of my um, one of my specialties in our department at Berkeley is that I'm kind of like the, you know, the, the jack of all, master of none kind of. I've taught almost every one of our core classes in the department, and I'm teaching different stuff every semester. So I'm always moving around between things. So one yeah. semester I'm teaching like a couple Pro Tools classes, a couple Logic classes, an Ableton class, and then the next semester there's some like Reactor and like all different things. So then like when it comes back around and I'm teaching a class I haven't taught for two years, yeah. all of a sudden that particular piece of software, I mean, none of the courses, you know, none of the courses, <laughs> well, yeah, none of the courses are specific to software. They're all about like actual skill sets, right? but they tend to use one They're or another. In yeah. The premise oh, yeah. Of a, yeah. Usually there's a, a certain piece of software that's in use. So sometimes I go back to teach class and they're not even using logic in that class anymore. They're oh, using Ableton there now, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it's a lot to keep up with because um, they're constantly changing, you know, but they're also slowly becoming one. 
you know. More they're, universal in they're, the approach they're all, that they... Like, it used to be that um, if you wanted to sit down and record a bunch of channels, it would be Pro Tools. And if you wanted to perform live, it'd be Ableton. Yeah. And if you wanted to work with video, it'd be Digital Performer. But it's not like that anymore. Yeah. You can do all those things with any of those tools. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. Um, they're all still different. And you could have an argument on an internet forum for years about, about that. <laughs> yeah. But they, they are different because they come from different specialties, you know. So, I mean, I don't, <laughs> we don't need to get too deep into that. But <laughs> No, that's, this is fascinating because we don't, we don't talk about this enough, um, especially because there's a, there's a whole brand of musicians um, some that, that we teach in, in the rock program and, and some that in just in general that have grown up with older music, 60s, 70s, 80s, especially stuff that has guitar driven. And so there's this disconnect, um, I feel like, in a lot of, of musicians that are, are up and coming with that like music is set to this. There's this nostalgia period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there is... There is a world where the computer is your friend and you can still be a guitar player as mm-hmm. you as you do at a, at a high level. I had the pleasure of only... I've seen you play mandolin and Monica, but I only saw you play guitar once, and that was at Kelsey's wedding when they did, did oh, Purple Rain. That's oh, right. yeah. So, and that was... Brian slayed it. It was fantastic. <laughs> It's like 20 minutes long, and all of a sudden I looked, and Tom wasn't playing drums anymore. Somebody else would had jump behind. Oh. But it's it's important to note. I think that you live a very current musicians with a very current musicians mindset, which is like it's not it's embracing technology. Like, well, it's not one or the other. It doesn't right. have to be one or the other. And your yeah. your mind is the tool, like not the guitar, sure. not the computer. Your mm-hmm. mind is the tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I feel lucky in being able to say that my first instrument was the computer because I think if I was, you know, if I was born any sooner, that, that wouldn't have been true. You know, yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah. I came along at just the right time to, to have a computer sitting there ready to make noise when I w- was like ready to, you know, experiment in that way. Um, but I, I have a full like, um, total respect and appreciation for things like, um, you know, the purists, like, um, uh, I can't think of the name of the band, Alabama Shakes mm-hmm. yeah. is an example of somebody that, like, there's no reason for that band to record to Pro Tools and edit everything up. Right. I would prefer yeah. to just hear that go down to tape live. Yeah. And, yeah. Because, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. You know, um, and... What I'm imagining happens in the next sort of phase here is that there's more people that are performing music using electronic instruments, but not sitting back and editing for weeks to clean it up, if that makes sense. It yeah. makes a lot of sense, you know? so, real time. Okay, yeah. so this is interesting. So I, we went to NAM this, mm-hmm. this January, and it I, was... I, I used to go every year. Oh my gosh, yeah. it is overwhelming. It yeah. is overwhelming. Because I used to work the the booths. I used to work for Native oh. Instruments and, oh. and API oh. and stuff. Yes, okay. Woo, yeah. I, I, Respect. I, I was cooked. I was fried every night, 7 p.m. Oh, I was yeah. in bed. I was like, oh, look at all these great mus- yeah. uh, musicians that are performing. I hope they have a great time. Bedtime yeah. for Kelsey. You can imagine waking up early, going there oh, and setting it all up. Oh, here comes Stevie Wonder. Oh, here comes, yeah. <laughs> stay on yeah. track, stay on track. Yeah. No, but what was interesting, so I happened to, out of curiosity, there was this panel that was um, like 
technology and music, mm. uh, you know, trends in music, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to walk through. I'm going to go, I'm going to go see what it's about. I'm not up as I should be on my music technology. You know what I mean? I'm always, I'm always a little behind the times. So we walked in and I walked in and this guy was making music live and he was creating everything in the moment right there. And it was this big. It was, mm-hmm. I, I'm holding up my hands. Sorry. You lead. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's like about the size of an envelope. Yep. A, yep. a letter. Wow. Yep. An average American letter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a really big iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. So, and it was amazing. And it was uh, probably, there was like 50 of us crammed in this room and he just sat there for like probably two minutes and made music that he didn't have to like patch in one piece at a time. It was Mm -hmm. multiple fingers all down, creating different sounds depending on where he was. And it was Mm -hmm. incredible. And he stopped and everybody just exploded with questions. It was Mm -hmm. just like, oh my God, how do we do that? How Mm -hmm. do we get there? And of course he laughed and he's like, it takes a lot of time to do this. Yeah. But, but that was amazing to see. It's never about the device. (laughs) Right, (laughs) of course. And, and, but the beauty was the, uh, it was the malleability of it, yeah. right? It was yeah. the, the device itself was mm-hmm. superior enough to be dynamic, to uh, touch sensitivity, to uh, pitch bending, all these things that people feel like, oh, well, it doesn't have the touch of a real instrument. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my God, no, no, that's it sure right it does, there. Yeah. It's yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, but the, the thing that always um, comes to mind when, when this discussion comes up, for me, is the electric guitar. Because so many acoustic instruments, you know, piano, even piano, I mean, you're not touching the strings when you play a piano. Right. You know, there's a mechanical device. I mean, if you, if you go far enough back in time, that's basically a robot. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're touching yeah. buttons and it's, it's um, triggering hammers to, to hit the strings. It's, there's a disconnect there, you know. Um, but people have been playing guitars and other stringed instruments forever, but the electric guitar is something else. I mean, granted, you're touching the strings, um, but the sound that's coming out of the amplifier is not the sound that's coming off of the guitar acoustic. Right, right. There's something else that's happening there. And to me, that's not that different than when I'm like playing an MPC and triggering samples. It, right. You know? Um, so, like, talking about the different software, you know, Pro Tools being like, basically a tape machine, a really good way to record a bunch of audio. Um, Ableton, to me, Ableton Live, even though it has technically all the same features, I think of Ableton as an instrument. Interesting. In that it's, um, it's basically like a big synthesizer sampler. And I sit down with Ableton mostly to perform. I never use it to record anything. I use it every day. It's, it's my favorite piece of software. But I, if I'm going to hook up a microphone and record somebody playing a beautiful instrument, I'm not going to use Ableton. I'm going to use Nuendo or Pro Tools or Logic or, or something else. But if I'm going to sit down and just like make up some music, I'm going to use Ableton because it's, it's an instrument to me. It depends on what you plug into it as mm-hmm. far as the physical mm-hmm. controller. Yep. That's a big part of it. And there's so many different controllers and some of them are very expressive the way like what you're describing. But a huge part of it is getting your controllers all laid out and set up and configuring them with the software, which is going to, to be different sense. for yeah. every single person that sits down with it, you know? So that's why it's, it's so tricky because, you know, a bunch of people see a guy doing something like that or a girl doing something like that and they're like, oh, I want to be able to do that. 
Yeah. It's like, okay, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to try all these different things, check out all these different artists, see what works best for you, see what kind of route you want to go. Do you want to also be able to play other instruments at the same time? Do you want to sing? Are you doing songs? Are you making up things you go? There's so many variables to yeah. it. Um, but it's totally, it's just an instrument. You know, even if, if you listen to like a lot of, even like Flying Lotus or it, it, there's so many electronic kind of artists that aren't, so on the grid yeah right yes anymore yeah. and so you can take that as as more of a live performance like alabama shakes or yeah. some other band that just plays their instruments well yeah um and and I, when i say well i don't even mean like virtuosic i just mean like with soul yeah and with um expression, expression. And yeah you know and intent yeah uh, exactly so you, you talk about flying lotus and that's so he's definitely one of my absolute favorites. Um, and they're kind of like the idea that everything is not so on the grid. Uh, electronic music, I'd be like a, as a teacher teaching guitar, right? Pretty uh, on a lot of the stuff I teach is pretty much like right on the dart. When somebody said, would say like, what do you teach on, on guitar? It's like a lot of pop music, some rock, some metal, some jazz, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that traditionally has guitar. Uh, I think electronic music gets pegged into like two things from talking to to students that are like starting to come into their own as musicians for a guitar. It either like is this trapped quantized thing or it's what you hear in pop music that has electronic sounds replicating. You don't hear guys like things like flying Lotus who Mm. like, he's got that album. What is it? Uh, you're dead. That is like absolutely fantastic. And it's not like, not quantized, everything's coming in. There's, you know, you could study that as its own self a harmony mm-hmm. and, and really dive in. Mm-hmm. So this leads me to to my other thing. So you love this, but how did you end up with the moldy suitcases, yeah. which is like <laughs> the hardest 180 of all time? And I, I do want to mention this too. Every time you come into Double Bar, I know you're, you're a fantastic guitar player, you always come in and pick up the uke, and a lot of people who come into the uke give me G, C, and D. No, like you're absolutely shredding on the ukulele coming in, which is like such a awesome sound and different. So can you talk about like somebody doing a 180 from total diving into the computers to being like, you look, we're going back to a time where you might not have a refrigerator. Like, um, well, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think. It's interesting that you point that out. I never really thought about it, but it is true. I do grab the ukulele. I think it's probably because I don't own one. You know, I'm always drawn to like the, you know, like I'm fascinated with instruments. You know, I'm, as we're sitting here, I'm like, what's in that case? What's that? You You know, you can can find all of these at Double Bar. You guys have so many toys here. Um, But um, I, I guess it goes back to that like the childlike wonderment of like, I really enjoy um, sitting down with an instrument that I'm not really comfortable with and just like fighting through it, figuring it out. You know, like the ukulele is, it feels like a guitar, but you know, you got that one string that's up an octave. So a lot of times I think it's going to go da da doom and it goes da da bang. And you know, and it, and I'm like, Ooh, you know, it, I, I, it, it, it brings me joy. Um, even just like um, like playing the piano for a long time, 
I didn't really like, I didn't have the muscle memory of it. Like I haven't, I've never studied piano technically in any way. I just kind of make my way around it. Like the, I, I, I realized only a couple of years ago that the way I play most chords is from when I figured out like note for note, a bar chord on guitar, like root fifth, root third fifth. Like that's still how I play piano is yep. I'm just putting guitar chords on the piano. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? all you need. You're fine. But, <laughs> but a, for a long time, whenever I would write, I would try to write on the piano because it was more likely that I'd bang into something. If I'm yeah, playing guitar, yeah, like I know yeah. where every single note is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. so then I'm just thinking like, which note is correct, mm-hmm. as opposed Does to it belong. Yeah, yeah, like oh, I'm not going to play a B natural here. That would you know. Whereas on the piano, I might bump into the B natural and be like, ooh, you know, and surprise myself. Yeah. And that's what the ukulele is like. To, and the mandolin for sure. The mandolin is like, is totally foreign to me. But playing that with the moldy suitcases was a joyful experience because it's an exploration. Yeah. 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 Because I'm comfortable enough to get by, but I'm constantly like surprised by things. Ooh, let's, Ooh, (laughs) Oh, this worked. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I feel like that's, that's a nice synopsis of the moldy suitcases. Yes. Right. So it's like, I Uh mean, really that was, that was the premise of the band. It it was, it was silliness and joy and like, let's, Mm -hmm. let's just like, Let's just try it, and I'll see you at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it was like, oh, well, that didn't go as planned. And then sometimes <laughs> like, oh, that didn't go as planned. Cool. There's a there's a Joni Mitchell story I remember hearing or reading because um, Joni Mitchell used to play in a lot of odd tunings. You know, when she was yeah. a lot of her songs are these funny tunings, and she said at some point, like, I'll just throw the strings into whatever tune. I'll just I won't know what tuning I'm in. I'll just strum and move those tuners around until it sounds kind of cool and i'll start putting my fingers on it wow which is like it's fascinating to me because it you know she's musical enough that she's going to hear like tonality she's going to hear oh this is a little you know i'll say like a major second or a, you know a perfect fourth i don't know if she if she's thinking of it in those terms but she's hearing those tonal qualities combinations you know yeah. but she's she doesn't know it when she puts her hands on it yeah the way that a guitar player that's been playing guitar most of their lives knows like where the chords are. Yeah. yeah. You and know? that's why, and you listen to her and she's one of my absolute favorites and she, her stuff is like very unconventional. Yeah. Like, especially quarterly, mm-hmm. um, her, yeah. She's also an incredible painter too, mm-hmm. which is like, so it, it makes sense tying that in to what you said about instruments. Like, I think the key here, one of the things I've, uh, trying to summarize all the stuff you told is that you constantly put yourself in situations where you get to be that kid who's yes. who, who is yes. who is young and working and making mm-hmm. sounds and chasing mm-hmm. after stuff and you know everybody's got their own path to success but that's really cool that like you find ways to make yourself uncomfortable not like I'm going to go in this and bomb and whatever but it's like right. I'm going to know enough of the instrument that I'm going to at some level mm-hmm. I can I can fall on my feet but mm-hmm. that falling process is yeah. where I'm going to enjoy. And that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like as I've gotten older, it's become increasingly difficult to find that childlike wonderment. And I have to be more conscious of it, you know. But it's also, frankly, just like, you know, logistically, it's more difficult for me to practice. Yeah. So what I've found is that, like, those two things can help each other out. So I don't have a lot of time to practice the mandolin. I basically don't. 
But if I play with a band and I sit in with other bands occasionally playing the mandolin, those are my times to kind of explore it. And I'm yep. going to be in that uncomfortable, ready to grow kind of moment. Um, and if I'm with friends and things, it's great. It's fun. Because you, know? you have enough background in music that you can find your way. Yeah. Like, and you've been, you've been playing and gigging for years. So like, you know, like, okay, I can play in time. If I can play in time and I can play in tune and I know what I can kind of like interact with everybody, mm -hmm. I'll find my way. Right. And I think the most important thing I think for every musician is developing their ear, right? Yes. So you get you get your ears grown on early on enough, then you can play any instrument. You can sit down, and especially when you're playing with other people, you know, you can just grab a note and know, oh, I'm a half step off, mm -hmm. and yeah. and yep. know what direction you're off in. Yep. And even when you play the wrong note, bad, you play it again. That's the Miles Davis trick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play the yeah. wrong note yeah. again, yeah. and then it sounds like you did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think that I think you're right. I think that there's like a certain amount of discomfort that I will seek out and embrace, <laughs> in in order to to grow and to um, to have that wonderment again. To have that like, whoa, look at this amazing new place I've found here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, um, having said that, I still love playing guitar. <laughs> you know, still with uh, all the googly eyes. Brian yeah. has a wonderful guitar with googly eyes all over it, and it's just the most magnificent thing to watch. And I do like to experiment on my guitars so that they are always evolving into things other than just guitars. So I guess that is also that's the pr that's you know, well, that I don't. What direction is that one going? That, in? that that's that's evolving it into not just being a guitar that I know what it's going to do. <laughs> You know, it's a, they, they've become more unpredictable, too. Um, so we're, we're almost at that time. But I guess what would, for someone who's coming up in the world of, I love music, I am a musician, whether I am currently working on a, a tangible traditional instrument or something that's a little less clearly defined electronic-wise, mm -hmm. um, what advice do you have for them? Um, the advice I always give, like so many of my students, whether because I used to teach guitar lessons before Berk before I taught at Berkeley too. Um, the same advice I pretty much always give anyone that's younger than me <laughs> is that, um, you know, there, there's that that funny concept of like, oh, now, now I forget what the exact quote is, but it's like um, luck is just the combination of what preparation and um, uh, I know what you're saying. You, you know what I'm talking I, about, right? I, I do, uh, and I can't, uh, I can't think of it. <laughs> um, uh, opportunity? Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> it, doesn't it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is that um, like you, you have to be ready. Like At some point, you're going to get an opportunity to do the thing that you really want to do. But that's not the time to learn how to do it necessarily. Right. You know, like you... Just practice doing what you want to be able to do. Along the way, other opportunities are going to come up, you know, like, so let's say um, I want to be, um, this is not fact, I'm just making something up. Uh, let's say that you I can, want to be the, can... the best mandolinist in the world. Let's say that's my goal. Mandolin? Man Mandol <laughs> mandol man mandolitis? Man man mandolinian? <laughs> Mandolinist, mandolin player. We'll say mandolin. <laughs> uh, let's say that. Let's say that's my goal. Um, then, what I really need to be doing with my time is practicing the mandolin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Along the way, somebody's going to be like, hey, do you want to play bass in this band? And I need to be able to be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's not my end game, but yes, I definitely want to do that. And not be like, oh, man, I, now I'm playing bass. And also, <laughs> also not be like, no thanks, bro. I'm going to be a mandolin player. You know, you can't be so laser focused that you pass up other things. Well, because one will inherently, I mean, the act of playing in a group on an mm-hmm. stringed instrument is inherently going to help you when you choose yeah, to play your stringed because instrument. Because it's, it's all a huge self-supporting system. Yes. And playing bass in that band is going to help you talk to a bass player later on when you're this brilliant mandolin player. But also, there comes a time in so many people's lives when they're like, huh, I'm a bass player. I, now I want to be a bass player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you kind of have to prepare yourself to do the thing you want to do, take opportunities as they come, be prepared to shift your goal all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know? But as long as you have a goal, you focus toward it. Yeah. And it's the weirdest thing because you have to juggle like being stubborn and staying on a path and also being flexible enough to just change your path all of a sudden. Yeah. But... But based on your own, your own sort of um, wonderment, the, the thing that's that's drawing you toward it, mm-hmm. not just because somebody else says, "Oh, you should play, you should be a harpist," or what you know, like it has to be the thing that you want to do. Yeah. But you have to be okay with letting yourself change your mind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I love but, it. Yeah. The other piece of advice that's very similar is that you have to somehow maintain these two things: this paradox of like. Um, you know, you get on stage and this thing I'm about to do on stage is the most important thing that has ever happened in my life. Yep. Also, it's no big deal. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. And, you, and you have to be like humble and super confident all at the same time. And, and if you can balance the two, you'll be all right. You know? Yep. That's, that's, that. that's my advice. This yeah. is the most important thing I've ever done. And it's, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so we finish every one of these episodes with, uh, we call it the Strumpfler Surprise, which is essentially he just gets to throw something at you right, right. now. Is, is it trivia? No. <laughs> yeah, what did I have for breakfast this morning? Smell my breath and tell me what I had. Corn flakes uh, with blueberries. I did not. I had, um, okay, side note. Um, what's <laughs> a, there's a new cereal out that's um, chicken and waffles um, oh. by the people who make um, something I don't know. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, it's inedible. No, it's incredible. And <laughs> I do yoga once a week, so I think I can I, I can eat chicken and waffles for breakfast every morning for a breakfast cereal. Like sure. that chuck that checks off the box. Sure. Um, okay. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, hmm. Inspector Gadget. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I I actually hate cartoons. Wow. <laughs> You didn't like Scooby-Doo or anything? I had, I always have had a problem with animation. I've had a problem, like, I've just never connected to animation almost ever. That explains so much. Mm. No, it doesn't really. I I mean, (laughs) maybe, maybe. That's why you opened up a music store, that lines up. Apparently, yeah, yeah. All right, I loved, I loved a lot of them, but when I was like five or six, it was like Tom and Jerry all the time. You know, I was thinking Tom and Jerry. Yeah. I was, but I really had to go through and, and, and weigh them and, and Inspector, Inspector Gadget came out on top. Was, yeah. But Tom and Jerry, Tom and Jerry was a big one. incredible music. There's some incredible, mm-hmm. for what they did without mm-hmm. speaking, it's like, mm-hmm. that is like textbook. All yeah. right. 
Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. It was great to hear everything. Our most animated guest. Yes. And there's no footage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We thank you for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. Are, are we going to clap again? We're yeah, gonna clap we are going to clap again. You guys look like you're going to clap. One, two, two three. three.